Welcome to Midnight Menu Plus One. I'm Ray Kanata. And I'm Margot Moss. We're at Ted's Frost Top in Claiborne and Calhoun in Uptown New Orleans. Once a week, Margo and I meet here at Ted's and we invite a member of New Orleans restaurant community to join us. And we invite them to bring along a friend, a plus one. We never know who their plus one's going to be. Sometimes it's a neighbor, a family member, uh, who they play water polo with. It could be anybody, a business colleague. And just a few moments, we're going to be talking with our very special guest. And we're very excited to have with us tonight on Midnight Menu Plus One, uh, the, the man who many regard as the... Uh, modern burger pioneer of the city, the one and only Adam Biederman. But uh, before we do that, just uh, wondering how, what you did this weekend, Margo. Anything exciting? Uh, I had an exciting weekend, but nothing regarding food. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no. Did uh, you have an? Ex- ex- uh, I mean, I ate out every meal, but I went to all my. I was so busy, I just went to all my regular haunts. I'm getting addicted to Wayfair on uh, on Fred. I like that place a lot. I like the um, Media Dio. I think. It's called, that's like an amped up Cuban sandwich, and I, I just keep getting that all the time, and I love it. And um, then today I went to Nino's with, with Kathy. I just, you know, I can't go about a week or more without going back to Nino's all the time. So, yeah, so Nino's was, was today. But, uh, yeah, he, he regaled me with some uh, grand schemes for the future, but I'm not sure he wants me to reveal those on the air yet. So that'll be breaking news in a few months maybe. But um, Nino is, uh, you know, one of my great uh, food heroes in the city. But it looks like Adam's here. Well, our special guest tonight at Midnight Menu Plus One is none other than Adam Biederman of Company Burger. Welcome. So glad you're here. Thank you. So glad to be here. Tell us how Company Burger got started. Uh, Company Burger got (laughs) started. Wow. Um, I'll choose from my list of of responses here. (laughs) Company Burger got started because I wanted to move home to New Orleans, and I wanted um, a way to get my foot in the door uh, in the city and in my career, my kind of like professional uh, you know, next step professionally. Um, well, where were you at the time? Uh, I was in Atlanta, Georgia. I worked for a, a restaurant called Holman and Finch Public House, which is very, very, very uh, popular and very delicious, even more so now than it was when I was there. And uh, a man by the name of Linton Hopkins and Greg Best are the principal partners and owners there, and they're still very close friends and, you know, peers and people I look up to and respect immensely in the world. And uh, I worked for them for, helped open the restaurant in 2008, worked until uh, late 2009, and I moved home then to work for Donald Link at Herb Saint. Um, and it was just one of those kind of like watershed moments for me in my career where I was like running a kitchen and running a restaurant and learning operations and kind of taking everything that I had learned uh, up to that point and expanding upon it. And I wanted, to do, I wanted to do that here, and I felt it was time to come home. And, you know, I, I came home in 2008, and I went to Cure because Neil Bodenheimer owns it, and I graduated high school with him. He was a little older than me, but, it, you know, I say graduated. We went high school together and was, I, I was at Newman yeah I was at Newman yeah. and I went I went there one night when I was home over the winter break and uh, I got drunk and it was amazing <laughs> because they were doing things that I loved that I felt very comfortable with you know that kind of cocktail that classic cocktail thing mm-hmm. and um, and they were just doing it on such a high level and it was something that was so vastly different than uh, other places not good not better not worse not you know, we're, we're better than you because we're doing it differently. Just flat out different. And and it kind of put the seed in my head at that time. And we had just opened Holman and Finch like eight months before this. And so I was all wrapped up in that process. And I come home and it just like completely sideswipes me. 
And I'm just like, what is going on? This is Ferret. It's on Ferret Street. It's and there was nothing on Ferret Street. Nothing. It was It was a wasteland. You know, in terms of. You know, thriving businesses and that there's whole a boxing corridor. gym. There's just a exactly. couple things. You know, Zeus's places yeah. had already been right, there. You know, right. Greg Enslin and, and was doing his thing with his real estate, and Michelle Ingram was doing Zeus's places, and they're uh. definitely some of the pioneers with with Neil on the street. But I was completely taken aback by what was going on there, and I, I stepped out onto the Fred Street morning at that point, and uh, you know, sober or not, I think anyone could have, anyone visiting could have felt and tasted the energy that was surrounding the area and walking around New Orleans for the remainder of my visit I just I left and I sat in the plane you know on the way back to Atlanta I was just like yep it's time yeah. and then and then a year later I moved home and yeah. uh, I wanted to do company and how old were you I, at this point I was t- just turned 29 29 yeah just turned wow. 29 I've been working in the restaurant business since I was 15 uh, professionally on that level since I was 24 23 and uh, I was just like I became obsessed with it. The longer it went, the longer I was away from here after that trip, the more obsessive I became about it. I was just like, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? How do I leave this, this restaurant that I helped open that I love, you know, like love being at? Because I loved Holman and Finch and I loved the people and we were making such a big impact on the Atlanta food scene. And then towards the end of my time there, I was like, how do I make this impact? How do I do something that I can completely manipulate and control and, and, do the do the same way that we're doing here, but do it that's something closer to me. And there's nothing closer to me in the food world than a cheeseburger. <laughs> and um, there, there really isn't. Like I mean, well, I just that? I just ate. I don't know. I just ate the, the burger over here. You know, I got a double double lot of burger, double meat lot of burger with uh, with bacon, and it was just just. I was telling Margaret, it was just how I remembered it. Huh. And I think it's because cheeseburgers are so sentimental, and chefs are sentimental people. We cook from what we remember, and. Uh, and what makes us feel good. And I think that's the vast majority of what drives the culinary industry and food and restaurants and people. They want people to come into their home and their house and they want to take care of them and make them feel good. And they want to give them, th- you know, cook them things that make them feel good. And that kind of remi- will or may or may, or may or may not remind them of their childhood. And there's nothing for me that does that more than a cheeseburger and my mother's carrot cake. Huh. And so two of the cornerstones of the restaurant are carrot cake and cheeseburgers and Coca-Cola. Now, where'd you get cheeseburgers when you were a kid? Do you have a favorite place in New Orleans? Here. I mean, I came here for lunch because wow. we only had less than an hour, and it was, we're um, maybe a mile from, from Newman. Right. Um, and when you're a junior or senior, back then, well, hell, we were driving when we were freshmen. So <laughs> when we were juniors and seniors, we could leave and go get lunch. And so it was always a race. And so this place was close. Um, and we would always stand in line with the lunch rush and eat our burgers here. It was here, Camille Grill, Lee's, and Bud's Broiler. All right. It just depends on... Where you were in your day, you, there was luckily back then, and there still is, there was a burger joint for wherever you were. So if I was in Metairie at my house, I could go to Lee's. Bud's was really close. Um, you know, Camille Grill after football practice on Saturday when I was in high school. So all those, like, you just have those individual, and you always got something. You know, what they were, I mean, at Bud's, it's a number three. You know, smoked sauce, and I think it's a number three still. Smoked sauce and cheddar cheese and, and raw onions. You know, it's still awesome. I mean, just because I own a burger joint doesn't mean I eat my own burger all the time. You know, I would get sick of it. So I love eating. I mean, that that was a great cheeseburger I just ate. It really was. Wonderful. I'm glad you could have a nostalgic experience. And the root beer, too. I mean, you were right. This root beer is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. So Good. That's the only only sweet carbonated drink I drink. The last four years, the only one I've had is, is, uh, is Ted's root beer. 
Well, they're selling it now at Rouse's in a he bottle. Told me this what? last week, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, brewed in Ohio. And uh, I tried to make some special uh, Frost Top Root Beer barbecue sauce for you, huh. but y'all ordered before it was uh, <laughs> done. Well, next time. But, uh, next time yeah. I'll try it. Uh, he'll be hungry again by the yeah. end of the interview. Trust okay. me, I've eaten. Okay. You know, the first thing I got today was a, was a text message from my chef cuisine, and he was like, hey, sandwich special. And this was like 10 o'clock in the morning. And I was, you know, kind of putzing around my house. So I ran right down the restaurant, ate a this sandwich special we had today. And it was, you had to tweet about it, you know. <laughs> so, uh, so that was my first thing. And then, uh, you know, then there was lunch, of course. So I feel like a <laughs> hobbit sometimes. I eat like second dinner and fourth dinner and, you know, all that. We just got, I just got back from uh, Per Se, uh, or from New York, where I went to eat a meal at Per Se, which is Thomas Keller's restaurant. It's three Michelin stars, very, very swanky and fancy. And it's my friend's 30th birthday, so she was celebrating in grandiose style. And she works in the industry up there, so they always take care of one another. You know, on that level of, you know, she worked at Blue Hill at Stone Barn, and there's always that kind of co-mixing of of staff, and they all kind of tend to drink at the same place. And, you know, so they knew who she was, and she was like, hey, I'm doing this for my 30th. you want to come up? I'm like, Absolutely. And so we just did this huge 16-course meal. I mean, you would, you, wow. you, even Mr. Man Who Ate New Orleans <laughs> would have been like, uh, seriously, you want me to eat all this? I've never, <laughs> I've never heard of 16 courses. Honestly, yeah, I mean, most I, I've ever had is commanders. Ten. Yeah. Well, this was one of those things yeah. where, like, you don't really get 16 courses unless they want to do it for you because it takes five hours. Wow. And, I mean, usually it's like you order three things. You pick what you want, and then they send you. The total sum is, like, 8 to 12, I would say. But... This was like at the end after the third dessert. I was just I was kind of <laughs> I was kind of glazed over, and then they brought out this wooden box, and there was like forty eight different kinds of chocolate in it. And she was right. going over. Of course, the waitress, the server, sorry, the server knew every single chocolate, and like she got to one, and I was just like, oh, I want that. And she's like, y- you can you can have that. You just tell me. I'm like, seriously? Uh, I want all of those. And she's like, no, you can't have all of them. So I got to pick three. But it was. It was a lot of fun. And so I don't know where I was going with that. So that was my, my that was just one of many stops in New York. So I kind of feel like this week has been, this has been a good top. To Wait, my, what was this? This was my, a couple days ago? This was last week. Last week, okay. Oh, yeah, oh, to the day, a week ago. All right. So. Now I want to ask you, go back a little bit. Um, you said you'd been working in restaurants since 15. Yes. And why did you originally move to Atlanta? And was food <laughs> aspect of it or was it uh my atlanta story is a little only a touch embarrassing because i think it's funny uh i went to georgia at a high school university of georgia uh to to attempt to go to college but i was never set and ready mentally and maturity wise for college and so i failed out gloriously in three semesters was academically dismissed which i didn't really mind you know but uh when you go to newman and you're you know it's a new orleans thing you're like you need to go to college kind of thing but (laughs) at that point i was like i don't really care it'll be fine I'll, i'll do something else and so I went from Athens to Atlanta and um, started working at a restaurant there. I always knew I was going to cook because that's what I did my, uh, my whole, t- you know, high school years here was, you know, no one told me I had to go work, but I just wanted to go work. And I wanted to go, you know, I made sandwiches and heavenly ham. I worked at Michael's Mid-City Grill, which isn't here anymore, but was a phenomenal, you know, that was actually where I, I started having the appreciation for really great cheeseburgers was Michael's, if huh. I could pinpoint it. Huh. Um, because we didn't go there a lot because it was more of like a restaurant restaurant. It wasn't like run in, run out. But they did great food. It was just that penultimate neighborhood restaurant where everything was under 24 bucks. You know, you could get a cheeseburger for like $12 at the most. And it was delicious. It was absolutely delicious. Huh. It wasn't 
the style of cheeseburger I do now, but it didn't matter because it was it was just a great joint. And they took five feet of water and never reopened after oh, the storm. Wow. So I have a picture of in front of it with the water line. It's pretty cool. But um, but yeah, he was a great guy, and it was one of those things where the owners were always in the dining room. They were making the whole place, and it left a huge impression upon me because I worked there for, you know, almost almost six eight months, like from a summer job bleeding into the fall, and uh, I never wanted to leave. And it was just one of those things where you noticed how much people loved it and how they gravitated towards it when they were in there just having so much fun with their whole family because Michael was always talking to people and that his partner, business partner, was always making drinks. I think his name was Fred. And uh, that kind of solidified in my mind early on, like, if I ever owned a restaurant, this is how I'd want it to be. Mm. You know, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, it's well, nothing hidden in your restaurant. You're all out in the open, right? Everybody yeah. sees it. You and, see everything being And that also is a, it pays in part to a, a great part to Coleman and Finch because I ran most of the food. I talked to people. They, they wanted the chef there before I even joined that team. That was their goal was to have this great interaction between the back of the house, the front of the house, and the guest. It was like this triangle of, of interaction and engagement. And they felt that the restaurant business or some of the restaurant businesses, parts of it were you can feel very disassociated from what's going on around you, even though you're sitting at a table and, and dining. And then there's like, there's dining and then there's engaging in what you're doing. And we wanted to be a full and fully engaged restaurant. We wanted the cooks and the, and the, and everyone to be on the same page with the, with the, the guests. And I think it really made for a unique experience because people that you could tell there was a, they had a vested interest, a vested, you know, desire for you to experience and to love what they were doing. So we loved what we were doing in the kitchen. The food was phenomenal, and it was exciting, and we were doing different stuff. And then the guest was like, could see it all happening, and they you know, could talk to whoever was running their food, if it was a cook, if it was a chef, whatever. And it brought them closer into what we were doing. Wow. So it was incredibly unique uh, for the, that time, and especially for Atlanta, because Atlanta is very much like New Orleans in that in, from up until about 2007, 2006, it was very traditional. Uh, um, and then, you know, there's a lot of things that kind of happened along with the financial downfall that kind of made the way for these more casual places. And so uh, that left a huge impression upon me, too. So I wanted everyone to see what we were doing for better or for worse in Company uh, Burger. And I wanted to be able to there and I wanted to be able to be there and to give someone their tray and say, hey, uh, thanks. You know, I hope you enjoy it. And I think it I think it really makes a big difference. Well, you know, I mean, to me, uh, you know, the places that you named are kind of divey burger places that were very good, but, you know, very, you know, very casual places, right? And then you had, you had places that people love, too, like Yo Mama. People love the, the hamburgers there and, like, you know, the quarter and, like, I guess Port of Calls, you know, always has lines with the tourists and all that. Yeah. But, I mean, all those places are very traditional burgers. There's nothing super creative about them. And, you know, and then all of a sudden, in, like, 2009, it seemed like New Orleans all of a sudden discovered the hamburger like, you know, they could be other things could be done with it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if you were, you were the first. I feel like you were the first. But, I mean, there was, like, Cowbell about the same time or a little bit Cowbell after Cowbell and you. True Burger were a little bit before us. Okay. And, uh, and then Juicy Lucy's. Juicy and Lucy. I remember because I just remember the articles being written about all four of us at the same time. Right, right, right. Um, and then, we, you know, we got, we got deemed a trend. Well, is it like, is it coincidentally you all did this? It was absolutely coincidental. That's just crazy. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, it, it, traditionally, it, it, traditionally it takes a couple years for what is, pers- I don't really believe in, in burger trends. I think burgers have always been there because it's America. Right. And burgers aren't a trend in America. Right. We, we are a cheeseburger in America. You know, like, that's yeah. what we do. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's the only truly iconic American food item. Yeah, yeah. It's not pizza. It's not fried chicken. That was brought from somewhere else and, and adjusted right. for American palates. Right. You know, it, it, cheeseburger, it was invented by an American in the middle of America. 
and perfected by Americans. Well, that's my theory why you New know? Orleans didn't have creative burgers, though, because it wasn't an American city till recently. You know, I, I think that New Orleans we always city a couple years ago. Well, yeah, I think the best part about our city is that we we follow the beat of our own drummer, and it's a right. gorgeous and amazing thing. And we always regard things that are happening around us nationally with like that raised eyebrow, kind of like oh, I don't really know about that. And then a couple years later, it happens, and and that's fine. You know what? Like, I think it would we would be it would be contrived if we if we just jumped on it as soon as everything else was going. I see that I saw that happen in Atlanta for better or for worse. Not with us particular, but you kind of see how it can be considered a copycat kind of culture. And I don't think we're that at all down here. And I think it's right, our right. biggest strength in this business. Um, it is pure coincidence that we all opened up at the same time. Um, I, I think that when you talk about Portocol, your mamas, uh, and I get this question asked a lot, and I've had to like really wrap my head around talking about it because I don't want it to be, I'm not, an, I, don't, I don't talk about anyone else's business in a negative light. Mm -hmm. you know? Well, it's Portocol. not, it's not I mean, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to put you in a spot and say like, yours no. is better or whatever. I think it, well, I think it's, it's, just, a, it's just a different style. I think it's a New Orleans like, style cheeseburger. Right, exactly. There's, Those things are very traditional to me and like you're, you're doing yeah. something different. You know why? Because Portocol started serving cheeseburgers and they made do with what they had. They right. had a kitchen that didn't have a cheese melter. They had a grill. They had a, a, just a mob of hungry, drunk people to feed. And right. they were like, dude, we're going to make a lot of money doing this, and it's going to be amazing, and the food's going to be great. And then it's like, oh, this is how we're going to do it. And just boom, and it's out the door. It wasn't like, you know, I actually kind of envy them because they didn't have to, like, rack their mind around, like, the process of making a freaking cheeseburger. <laughs> you know, like, they don't have to worry about someone coming in there and, like, hiring a staff and be like, dude, is this guy going to be able to hack it on the griddle? Like what I worry about, you know, they just they do it, and they yeah. made do with what they had, and it's a it's a brilliant thing, and it's known the world over, and people equate it to New Orleans, and what's you know, it's like every any pub is good pub, you know, any burger is good burger because it's in New Orleans, so let it be what it's going to be. It's just right. the New Orleans style cheeseburger. I didn't want to do a New Orleans style cheeseburger because I'm not going to go, I'm not going to throw my hat into that corner or right. into that into that mix. I'm just going to do what I do, and what we do is a, a different thing with just a little bit more, you know, detail and a different a different eye, different perspective. Well, tell us a little bit about that. Like, what are a couple of things? And you have a lamb burger, like, you have different yeah. kinds of toppings. Like, tell us about some of that. Um, well, we have the company burger, which is the, the class, when my version of a classic American cheeseburger, it's the iconic American cheeseburger, um, pre-1950s. And I, I can really break it down that specifically because no one, the whole lettuce, people, you know, bust my ass about the lettuce and tomato thing all the time. And that was a huge, a huge thing that we went through in the beginning. And before a certain time, I can't, that I can't tell specifically, but before like the proliferation of burger joints in this country, we will call it pre-World War II and post-World War II. Pre-World War II, there wasn't, there was barely even American cheese. It was smashed meat into a griddle with onions on a, squish, on a squishy white bun. And the squishy white bun didn't even get invented until 1935. And it was invented by the man that created White Castle. Huh. It's for his sliders. The first true American cheeseburger was a slider. And no, it wasn't like a miniature version of a bigger type of burger. It was a freaking slider. There's, there's only one slider in the, in the history of American burgers, and it is a slider. It is che you know, now it's cheese, onions, a little bit of pickle, and a squishy white bun. And the, he, he created that bun to, sh to fit his style of meat padding. And that's, that was it. That was the creation. That was the genesis. And, uh, and after it kind of exploded, it took this very everyday man's kind of ground meat sort of utility food and, like, what Americans do very well, we take something that's very rudimentary and we make it huge and we make it bigger and we applied the industrial revolution to it and just produced it. And, you know, White Castle created entire infrastructures 
around them, and they created the basis of the fast food industry that we know today. And McDonald's was we piggybacked on that idea, and they kind of perfected it. But that's really the heart of where the cheeseburger comes from. You know? Okay. So uh. that so your burger though is pre. I would say it's more 50s. of a pre a pre 50s style cheeseburger. Then you had people, but then paleo people, burger. Yeah, well, <laughs> we couldn't do the paleo because we don't have lettuce and tomato. But after you know, once these once all the burger places started getting huge, people wanted to start differentiating their menus and diversifying to attract more and more people. And that's kind of where that spreads from. And that's we take from that where yes, we have the company burger. We have the single, which is a touch smaller. It's only one patty, um, and that burger we use as a base to build on. So like when we do a mushroom Swiss burger, which we'll be doing on Wednesday for Burger Week for Eater Nola Eater, you know, I build it on the single patty because the two patties will overcook by the time you get all the sh- stuff on there. And it's, it's kind of one of those things where the single patty like holds all the toppings better. Um, then we have the lamb burger, which is something from my childhood. The, the glaze on it is something my dad used to marinate lamb in before he would... Before it's he would so grill good. It, yeah. I just have to say, I, I didn't grow up That's eating a lamb burgers. It's a sleeper. But that is like so divine. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, you know, I think, I think it's, I hate to interrupt this. We'll get back to this in a second, but I think it's time to introduce Absolutely. your mystery guest. Your plus I would, one. Who I would not want to put him off any longer. And an incredible fan of the Lambert. Yes. <laughs> uh, this is, uh, this is my, one of my best friends, Matt Colosino. He is uh, an electrical engineer by day and a madman welder, fabricator, barbecuer, pit smoking, crazy lake viewing nut job. Wow. By night. <laughs> Don't edit that. Nut job. I just made that up. He's, uh, the funny thing is, is that not only could we create half of an offensive line on our own, yeah. We could. Uh, we also have very similar. Uh, yeah, you guys don't even. I'm, fit I'm in actually kind of worried booth, about this yeah. booth. I don't know if we yeah. should switch the chairs. Yeah, there's a lot of the same booth. There's a gross ton. See, now I'm definitely. Well, this I'm not going to be held responsible for breaking it. years. It can. It can. It can handle it. I don't know about that. This. This is this booth is pre. Cheddar cheese? Pre, Pre-American pre, cheese? Pre-American, nice. Pre-American <laughs> cheese booth. Way to tie that in. That is interesting. Comments. That, is, that, is? No, that really is interesting. Oh, wait. So, Technically, so American no, cheese actually, was a post-World War II. This was a drive-in. Yeah. This was a drive-in originally. They didn't have the booth oh, inside. Yeah. He, wow. he, he, it was closed no, in, was, in the was, 60s, There was tables and stuff and, and bar seating up on I remember seeing pictures. Yeah. American uh, cheese is post World War II we before the fifties. Yeah. yeah, we could have. Margo, you ruined. We could have went. And also, right. also the reason uh. I keep the reason I'm the reason I'm such good friends with Matt is because he knows exactly when to check me, okay. and tell me to shut up. Well, he hasn't it's funny uh, to watch him geek said out on anything his so far. Thing. So you must. Okay. You're so doing how many right. things, yeah. Matt? How many things he said were untrue? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm, you know. You can tell us. certain things you call first your boys. Of all, first of all, Matt's a salesman, so you can't trust everything he says. <laughs> oh, so he's, some, the, he's the bigger liar. He, some, <laughs> item, some sayings will be embellished. You just don't know which ones. Uh, it's all going to be good. No, but Matt, Matt is, uh, we, were, we met through a mutual friend, and, you know. Can I he tell was, the story? You want to tell the story? Yeah, yeah okay, let me tell you. This is the story. We met. Leave, leave, out, leave out the yeah. Mexican club part. That's exactly Okay, leave that out. Um, no, 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 no. Don't leave anything out. It was Montgomery, Alabama. It was Montgomery, Alabama. We were in. Through a mutual friend, we were at a couple's wedding shower in Montgomery, Alabama, and we were the only two that weren't allowed to stay on the grounds. <laughs> wait, what? All the, all the other couple, we couldn't wait. stay at their house. Yeah, we couldn't stay at the house we had this party at because all the couples were, like, in the house. Y'all didn't you know? know each other yet, so but we you didn't were know both, both single. Like, single. At the time, we were both single. single. And we're in Montgomery, Alabama, and for some reason, this was the only holiday in the head. Uh, slash this was Mexico. the only hotel they had. Yeah. So motel. It wasn't even a hotel. Slash it was Mexican a motel. what? So in Mexican the, dance club. In the bottom, there was a Mexican nightclub. Yeah, hold on. Wait a second. It, wait, okay, wait. go ahead. <laughs> yeah. 
So, that's towards got, the end. Yeah, so that doesn't make any sense at towards all. Towards the end. Okay. That's uh, Montgomery. Yeah. So we get there. I, I get there. I roll up. I go straight to the hotel. You know, it's, I've been driving for five hours. And you go to the hotel. So I get in. I walk in, and this man is laying on the bed, shirtless, tattooed, in his underwear. Pantsless. <laughs> Pantsless. I walk in. I'm like, what's up? It's like, what's up? So I went to the bathroom to... to Think about what, <laughs> what just happened, and you know we didn't talk a whole lot, and then I just kind of sat down and we talked a little bit, and then we he had to go to this. They put his pants on. No, while no, you were, I was uh, exhausted, man. I don't I remember when the pants came back. I just worked like a ten hours. <laughs> I had I literally just, I just literally just worked like a like a, a half a day uh, at the restaurant, and then just hauled ass to Montgomery. Like when two and a half, I made it from Atlanta yeah. in like three so hours, and we had to be this so, party so, for, so in so like an part hour. Part of unwinding is you have to take your pants off. I, I needed I needed AC, and I needed complete <laughs> pantslessness. Okay. Well, right. that's, that's what I was now, expecting. Right I'm okay, definitely good. wearing pants now. That's what I was expecting when I walked second. into the okay. hotel room. And I, I got, yeah, we didn't get that. I didn't think he'd be there yeah. as early as he was. Surprised me. Because we had to go to, because the we had to shower to was like at that point. So we get dressed, we go to the shower, we mingle with other people, and then we come back to this hotel room, this Holiday Inn. So it's a couple showers, it's fancy, whatever. They, they're outside. They were oh, in the shower. Room. There okay, was a wait. putting green and like yeah. Weimaraners, you know. It was like, you know, very Victorian. I felt like I was going to like start debating the causes of the Civil War. But by that time, you had like, your pants on. Pants were definitely, yeah. Unfortunately, my pants were still on. I yeah. wish I could have just taken them off and run around screaming like a madman. That, that would have made it a lot more interesting. It would have, they would have definitely so, had something to talk about. So we left that couple shower and we're in his truck and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, wasn't there a club back at the hotel? Let's go have a drink. <laughs> So we needed a we, drink. We get to the club, to the hotel. That's the bar that is the club. And it's a Mexican, like, dance club with, like, neon lights and sick <laughs> house music. music. I mean, like, we're going in, all right? But all the house music, any of the vocals was all in Spanish, too. Yeah, so it, like, was, it, it was super legit. It was Montgomery, Alabama. Oh, yeah. Super yeah, yeah. legit. This wow. Is, yeah. So, and this is wild. the hotel that somebody put us at together, sharing... Two double beds, I guess. And so we get there, and we cannot. We don't have any cash. Neither of us have a penny to our name, and we have to like charge the the ten dollar fee. Whatever. They're very very stringent about the cover charge. Yeah. And so we go to the bar, and we didn't make it to the bar. And we're like, dude, we got to go. It was just. It was a little intimidating. It was one of those scenes like there, it literally you know? felt like that scene in the in the western where like. The or the you know in the fifties diner or the Mexican dance club where we walked in and. All of the music stopped and everyone turned around. Like <laughs> and and we're twice we're, the size of any other person. Yeah. In the Mainly because we they thought we were either going to raid the place the <laughs> or that we were just going to start I mean, breaking bottles. Yeah. You know? like, I, for the first time in my life, I felt like this is definitely not one of the first times, but I, I definitely knew that this was not the place for us. Yeah. Huh. A Jew and Italian walk into a Mexican bar. Literally. <laughs> and walk right out. Literally. <laughs> I've never turned heel and run away so quickly. Wow. It was it was uh, it was pretty fun. So where'd you go from there? We went to bed. But y'all bonded we had to avoid, after that. We had to avoid the uh, the working girls in the corridor. Yeah. <laughs> the, the what? The working, the working women. The working. The ladies of the night. At the, oh, at the Mexican bar. At the Mexican bar. Oh. No, that was in the corridors of the of the hotel. Y'all didn't rock paper scissors. They were just there. Put the socks on no the one, door first. No one was no. going to fall in that grenade. <laughs> there was no taking it for the team that night. <laughs> it's not. It's not falling on if you. And then I got a speed-in yeah. ticket the next day, <laughs> and it was just that was just not a. It was a rough trip. Man, that was a rough but that's trip. When did y'all become now, did you live? Did you live in New Orleans? I, I lived in New Orleans, yes. Oh, okay, okay. So, cool. Uh, I might I, have been in Baton Rouge. No, no you, were, was in, you were in New Orleans, Orleans. and then yeah. I, moved, I moved home. That was 07, 06. Yeah, yeah. So you guys just stayed in touch after that? We just that stayed in touch, and, yeah. and I, I, when I would come home, we would hang, hang out and go drinking and all that good stuff, and 
And then I moved home, and I remember one of the nicest things anyone's ever done for me is I turned, uh, was it 29 or 30, and you bought dinner at Tondin. He bought dinner for like me and like twenty people at Tondin. I'm like, I'm like, who is this guy? What are you, what are you doing? It was it was a lot of fun. So and then we we you know we're friends and and all that good stuff and and uh, the first the actually the second but the first big hogs for the cause uh. in 2009 2010 sorry the f- when they had more than 15 teams and it was like there was 38 of us and we were all at the city park and right that, was, bef- that was before dog I even all I had him, all I had about Company Burger was a logo on a jacket. We were, you know, yeah, I didn't even have we a, we didn't even build it. for Company Burger? No, he was, oh. a, he's our pit master. Oh. So he, not only did this guy step up and say, hey, I want to, we, we formed a Let's barbecue team. Yeah. We were it. team Company Burger because I was like, what better way to advertise than for a barbecue competition, even if we don't do well, which of course I would say that on the outside, but on the inside, I was like, we better freaking win, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, so we formed team Company Burger and it was him and his brother and our friend Mike, uh, you know, we all have nicknames. So it was Landfill Chicken. Uh, lunchbox and, and meathead, and that was you're our. Meathead? I'm meathead, mm. clearly. And <laughs> your, that was your lunchbox. Lunchbox, yeah. and, okay. And that was our team, and we went out there just some regular guys with a little bit of chef knowledge, and uh, he hand fabricated our pit. You know, or you know, we, everything we every yeah everything we <laughs> used that day. Pit, so what did you do with the pit when it was done? We still cook on it. He cooks we on cook it probably on once a month. Yeah, last wait, weekend. Okay, wait. So you made the pit at no, the No, the site. metal. Sorry, when I say pit, yeah. I mean the actual barbecue rig. The oh, okay, okay. Oh, the yeah, okay. So you brought it with you. Yeah. Took it home so you it's, on a, it's on an axle. We can trailer it wherever we want. <laughs> yeah. And you put it on. So is it. I was told not to bring it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. We, no. The guests wouldn't be able to see it, but we'd love it. If it yeah, but it's like you can only. Visually, it's not really good. It's like one of those things. It could go sideways at any moment. It's like a. <laughs> it's like an 1,800-pound piece of water transfer pipe that we acquired from the Corps of Engineers, i.e. it was on the side of the road, and we took it on right. a trailer. Wait a second. So, so, so when that pump fails or whatever, we know. Yeah. No, it had definitely been left for yeah. – it had definitely seen better days. It was definitely being rotated out. But it's like a, a quarter-inch thick steel. I mean, it weighs a gross wow. ton. It's ridiculous. And, you know, I kind of have a certain, like, <laughs> style when I build things. <laughs> it's not – his shift at Cuisine calls it nacho – it's not show quality. And that's really kind totally of what it it's utilitarian. Not, it's just not show quality. It works, and it'll live forever, but it's not. But the design it's of it. Up. It's completely practical. Yeah. Well, it's what I mean, if I, it works well, and yeah. I mean, is that, you're an engineer by, yeah. by so day, so. When you look at smokers you can buy, there's reverse flows and different, like, p- smoke paths. But I, I, I kind of made one smoke path with a different thing, and it circulates around the pig i don't know it's it's a long story but there's two different smoke paths around the pig this so is where he can geek like, out yeah we don't okay, I, this, but all right no but it's, I, it's I all think good it's that's interesting yeah. i mean it that's why i asked him to come tonight and why you know we're friends is because when he puts his mind to something in an engineering sense it comes out in an in a real world sense it's practical it's tangible he can create that from nothing and so Whereas I make poop with yours. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of this, yours just goes through your body. So, but with chefs, we approach it in a very, you know, in a very s- kind of same sense. When you look at, you know, on the very, very high levels, people drawing up how they want their, pl- their food plated. It's an engineering sense. It's a sense of art. It's a sense of form and, f- you know, where it all fits and what it does. And, and you've got something there's, inside of yourself that has to come out. Of course. And so his fabrication of the metal and the way he works with his engineering mind is, not necessarily the same as how we work as chefs, and certainly not at a burger restaurant, but in my previous life, I did actually use knives and plated things with spoons and saute pans. Um, <laughs> I did once, I promise. <laughs> and, uh, and so you think about when you conceive of a dish, 
you build it the same way. For, and then you, you go and you cook it and you create it out of nothing, create something out of nothing, and you put right. it on a plate. So our minds are totally different sides of the spectrum, but they work in very similar ways. And that's always kind of fascinated me about him, like being friends and just kind of talking about it, where I can step into his, his house, which is his garage, and he can step into mine. And we both have an appreciation for whatever, but what each of us do, and it's both art. It's a form of art. Mm. And I find that to be very uh, inspiring. This could be like a Food Channel episode. You switch places for It's funny you should say that, Ray. <laughs> for real? <laughs> <laughs> I can't discuss the details, but there's something, there's something, something, being, there's something being pitched to a cooking channel. that Are you guys switching places? Like no, that? not no, switching. No. Sorry, oh. you were ahead of me. But something <laughs> oh. ab- you know, about, uh, wow. ab- about cooking with fire. I've learned a new gift I have, prophecy. But, but no, I would never. Im- <laughs> see, I learned, I, learned no- I learned numbers very late in life. Lottery tomorrow will be. Yeah. Mm. My, my number ability is only as good as I can see it in practicality, okay. uh, which means food cost and invoicing and writing checks and like very basic arithmetic. If I looked at something that he did oh, on man, a daily basis, my head would explode mm-hmm. and it'd be like it'd be real dirty. So, so when you when you uh, when you when you design these uh, dishes or whatever, I mean, do you diagram it literally, or are you just doing it in your head? I mean, when no, you're talking about what you were saying, is that something that goes on in your head, or is it something on paper too? Well, I think I think the best way for me to describe it would would be more like building a sandwich. So let's take we'll we'll take any sandwich, but sandwiches yeah, are discussing the burgers a little different. The yeah. burger for him has been a religion. I mean, like from the day we met him, we've heard about this <laughs> burger. So many people heard about it, have and never eaten like, it. It's. I mean, no, it's like no, 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 no. you don't see. Well, you, <laughs> that's that's the different sides of the brain. Like I've right. got a whole notebook where I have to have all my stuff written down, and he just it just lives inside of him. Yeah, for, like yeah. because it's, it because it's more of an art form and it's more of like all a minute, spontaneous kind of thing. Like let's just take a simple turkey sandwich for example. Okay. There's things that make sandwiches good. There's things that there's very much less things that make sandwiches amazing, but there's a lot of things that make a sandwich suck. And one thing that for me that makes a sandwich suck is when all of the meat is piled in the middle and then it just the bread wraps around it with all the toppings and you've got this ball of meat with all the other stuff around it. So one of those things that we were talking about in terms of how he thinks about making everything from the ground up or building something or designing something you have to have an even distribution of everything. Every layer in the sandwich has to be evenly distributed. Huh. All right. So Which, when you're someone's tasting it, they're not the getting first a bite's clump exactly of, yes. the last. Every bite is the same. Okay. That's a great sandwich. I also refer How do you f- do that? So you put in the top well, in multiple the, you places? You just got to lay the turkey out. You, know, you just got to make sure that the, the bun... Flat, the, like the, with the burger, the bun to meat ratio on a burger, any burger is vital. You can't have like bun overlapping all the burger and you're getting like... You have that one last bite of bun that's got like a little bit of mayo and some lettuce stuck in it, but no meat. Huh. And that's not a, and then you're just, it's all, it's sloppy. It's, right. you know, I shoot for, you know, when we do our sandwiches and our specials, you know, we shoot for perfect meat to bun ratio because you don't want to eat too much bread. You don't want to eat too much meat. So you're trying to get the, the, the burger to be the same, same uh, width as the bun too and Just so about forth. to the edge. You yeah. want it just to come over just, huh. I mean, and think about that in the grand scheme of things when you're doing volume, the way in which we do volume and you, you design and you something to be, you design something mm-hmm. to be busy. Think about, and you're doing it from scratch. You're not buying it from a bag. It's not from this industrialized pr- production line where it's like it guarantees that everything is the exact same. Like in this country, we have guaranteed that everything we make is the exact same. And in order to do that, you lose so much of its essence and you yeah. lose so much of what makes things great. Amen. So going back to why we did the company burger the way we did is because we wanted to do it all from scratch. We wanted to make it all ourselves, to control everything ourselves from the, from the day one, from the ground up, and to make a product that looks and can be con- you know, interpreted as industrial, or you know, that's a bad way of saying it, 
you know, as mass produced, but it's not it's it's not mass produced. We're so making it ourselves. Making it by hand. hand. My baker, my, I have yeah. one dude that's my baker, and he makes those buns every day. So he's, ma- so every he's day making they're the them. same. It's a, it's so is he making the bun to fit the burger, or are you making the burger to fit the bun, or I guess both? both. both. Ah, both. Nice. And we do that with every sandwich. You know, I got on I got on my guys today because you know my. They smushed My, the, the turkey. No, the ciabatta. The ciabatta we got today for the special sandwich was bigger than the chicken thigh that we were using. And so I was like, <laughs> you know, next time you think about this, it needs to be a chicken thigh and a half to fill the whole bread. Instead uh. of cutting the bread to fit, which is what we inevitably had to do, the right move when you think about building this sandwich is, n- number one, making sure that David makes, you know, our baker makes the right size uh. bread. Which, But, you know, he's a baker. He's going to make the bread that he feels is the most best product he can so does he out. make it fresh every day you said every day. every day that's amazing every day and so you throw away what's He's left over no we freeze or we freeze or give it away okay, we, okay or normally we like to run out you know we've been running out a lot right right um, because we've been a lot busier and i try not i play the, it's a constant you game. do that with the meat too no meat usually is sold meat meat will last you know meat you, you want it to be As done meat, every day yeah. a very famous old french chef said every day you should start with with nothing in the kitchen huh. you should empty pans empty bowls empty fridge and then you build it all from there. And that's, I mean, that's, that's a little dramatic and romantic, but, you know, because that's something you'd love to be able to do. But Grant's it's taking pictures of us, and every picture was of me slack-jawed because I'm learning so much right here. I didn't know this could be so educational about burgers. Well, I'm never going to be able to well, look at a burger or sandwich Maybe I'll start a lecture again. series, and you can, uh, you know, <laughs> now, now, now you're you're it. You could go but, back to Newman, and, uh, you know, they have these night courses. Yeah. And uh, I would definitely take well, that. Well, my best friend like, is the upper school principal now, so I've got an in. Oh. You know, mm-hmm. I would love that. Well, you and you could, well, too, didn't you? Yes. The, the thing yeah. about me is that so I, I, I kind of talk off the cuff about it. Like, I don't have a lot of formal education to know, like, where to reference all this. I just I speak from experience, you know, and I know, like, in my head what I would want if I was, you know, doing something or eating something. So for me, it's more like, what do I what would I want this to be if I was paying money for it? And so I want a chicken sandwich that has chicken in every bite. Just that's what a customer deserves. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. it also makes it taste more delicious. And that's really, at the end of it, we just want to make food that tastes delicious. That's the whole point. And, and I that's think your experience is invaluable. Anybody could uh, go to school, yeah. and, but you, you have to live something. I, I believe in uh, working your way up or um, having a mentor, apprenticing, or. You know, to me, the, mm-hmm. those in experiences, learning along the way, is invaluable. And yeah. But I also like the fact that I, I didn't necessarily learn learn this in a classical sense, but he, Matt learned it in a classical sense. He went to school for it. Engineering school is no joke. That's some hard stuff, and he has his mind for learning and being able to apply that, but then still being able to apply it on his free time in an artistic sense, oh. and that's that to me like completely scrambles my noodle. You know, because we work, I work strictly off of, like, experience and what, you know, sentimentality and, 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 and that sort of thing. And he works from, like, this wealth and base of, like, technical knowledge, mm-hmm. which I find, um, you know, I envy that as well because I never had the discipline or the maturity to do that and go to college and learn. And I was going to be a history major anyways. I just would have been talking for a living like <laughs> I do now. You know, it's like nothing Teach Teaching somebody else. Well, th- this might be a good point. I see a book. Good questions. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, I think, uh, may predate uh, Something Adam's funny. Birth. I don't feel like I've been funny enough. I've uh, been listening to all your, all your other uh, radio things. I want to be funnier. 
Okay. Y'all are interesting, though. Yeah, I know. And, and <laughs> I like being funny. <laughs> all right. All we all right do, maybe all, this is your chance, because this is goofy. People think we're so serious in the questions. kitchen, but all we really do is laugh and just tell fart jokes and stuff, you know, like, <laughs> all right, and, like, I punch each other. Okay, I want you to answer this question no matter what it is <laughs> with reference to uh, flatulence. Yeah, let's see. Oh, we're going to do a... F- okay, okay, pick a number between yeah. 1 and 217. 78. 78. Oh, you looked ahead, didn't Why you? No, I listened. Last week you did the same <laughs> thing. Why 78 is my high school football number. Oh, all right. You know, 77, huh? No, 78. If not you knew, this is not going to be funny. Okay. No, if you knew that in one year you would die suddenly, would you change anything about the way you are, li- are well, you now living? Funny. I would eat a hell of a lot more food. <laughs> Could I mean, you eat on. a hell of a lot more food? Is that possible? Probably <laughs> not. Yeah, actually, you know, <laughs> no. No. Um, anyway, um, uh, I, would, I would probably be more forthright and open with friends and family. Ah, interesting. So you're not completely forthright and open with friends and family right now. Sometimes it's really important to have people not know what you're thinking. Huh. Why? Wait, wait, Uh, wait, wait. wait. No, that's great. (laughs) Because I don't like explaining myself a lot. I'm very stubborn. And, uh, and it's from, I don't know, just in my experience, it's like, I don't, I try to let, I let the cat out of the bag too early sometimes. But when it comes to like emotional stuff and like being connected and things, I think I can work. I can I, I can be better with that with my family and my friends. Because okay. oh. I tend to, you know, as chefs, you tend to like sometimes you sh- tend you get in a habit of shutting people out because you just you misprioritize stuff. You know, misprioritize a lot of stuff in my life in terms of like having keeping people at arm's length. Interesting. So you keep people at arm's length in the kitchen. No, not what in the kitchen. Do? That's not the crazy the part is that not you need kitchen. you need those people to be connected to. Like you need. In, in some kitchens, like, it, it just depends on the dynamic oh. and how it works out. Like, you know, well, like you in our kitchen. You care about the people below yeah, you. In you our know? kitchen, in, in our place, for example, like, I, I've never been so invested in my, the people that work for me's lives. Not that I know everything that's going on in their lives, but I now design my business to increase their survivability in the business. I want them to be with me for a long time because they're great and they've done such a great job executing my vision. I yeah. feel like now the, the, the whole point of my position of being an operator and owner is to provide for their well-being for 20 years, huh. just like my, my own well-being. You know, they are, we are for, interconnected. You've been open for three years now? A year and a half. Year and a half? Year and, yeah. year and nine months. Really? Oh, my gosh. This, August. August. We're yeah. going to get to your question, yeah, yeah. too, but I just want to ask That's you, really do you think you, you come from a your family is in the family business, right? Yeah. Your background. Yeah, it's not food, but do you think anything you experienced in your um, growing up in your family business, now that you own, now that you have your own place, that you can look back and incorporate that? I mean, positive. I'm not I trying think, to get I you I think to that would be more of like a see what not, how not to do things. Okay. Not that we have a bad business, but... Being in a family business, it's, it's not, what kind it, of business it's is not like what not to do. Jewelry? It's just we own a jewelry, jewelry? We own a jewelry store, oh. so I think it's. I think now that it's. I think now it's better than ever. You know, like my my parents, my dad especially loves going into work more now than ever. Um, but I think it's. Uh, I think it's knowing. I think it's playing to your strengths. What I, I would say, learned learning from that experience having a family business. It's it's uh, and it's a lot like what we do. I think I have used that and translated it. It's it's knowing what you do really really well and exploiting that to its utmost potential. And I think that Company Burger is the is is something that I do very very well and we I think we exploit it to its fullest potential. And the people that are with us most importantly on our team and the guests, they see that and it's palpable. And and they feed off of that. And the fact that I 
you know, haven't had much turnover and everything is a testament to that. So you have people that have been there from the beginning, they're still I there? I have five people that have been with me since day one. Wow. And, I've, and that's mind-blowing. How many people have you fired? Personally or yeah. in total? <laughs> well, okay, both. Like stepping on my office kind of style? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like two. Two, okay. But, the, you know, I always say the same thing about the rational business. It has a glorious way of telling you that you should not be doing it. All right. And it's usually very immediate. <laughs> and I usually don't have to say anything. <laughs> they know and they yeah, just... Yeah, it's just how it is. Okay. Okay, what... Matt's question. Yep. Pick a better what? number. My number told sucked. there would be no math. No <laughs> wonder I hated playing football in high school. <laughs> My number sucked. Uh, 177. It's a short one. Why don't you oh, read come it? Come on now. <laughs> you can't even read it out loud, can you? Well, I I'm going to make favorite. you read it. I'll read it. All right. How old were you when you first had sexual intercourse? Ah, <laughs> what do you mean, how old was he when? <laughs> how old is he going to be? This is, this is a whole question. Actually, he's question. got, he's got one kid and one on the way. Question, so man. He's a, he's so a breeder. you've had it twice in life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, look. Oh, it, man. Uh, the crazy thing is you don't even <laughs> have to, you don't even have, to have sex anymore to have a kid. Oh, that's true. That's just true. Just tell him it was 13. This is a horrible story. All right. No, you don't, uh, no, no one said anything about a story. They just said, okay. give an age. Right. Uh, let's let's you know, spare the details. Yeah. Spare the details. Margaret wants to hear the story. I was 18. That's okay. I was, 18. You, it was I was at a fraternity rush party. It was Adam, wasn't it? And you were in New Orleans? <laughs> no, this is Louisiana. I was going to say, his, because he's Italian and his dad's very traditional, his dad got him a woman when he graduated <laughs> high school, but that may be a little not safe for the airwaves. You know, we could have gone real New Orleans with it. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, I was born and raised in New Orleans, but I went to Louisiana Tech was as far away as I could get and still keep my tops. It was like this was the first year of tops when I went to college. So I, everybody was going to college for free in state. And that was as far away as I can get. So I went to Louisiana Tech. But, yeah, I was I was it was the summer before my freshman year of college at a rush party. With the stripper that they hired. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually that's a great good. question. That turned out to be a great question. Oh, good question. Oh, God. I'm funny, bro. That's where I went. You know, <laughs> if, if you can't make fun of your friends, then who can you make fun of? You know? That's, that's. Your question was much better. Than, can I get another question? <laughs> you want to try again? No, no, no I'm good. No. Not if we, if we don't No, because it could just, it could go. Just go down here. Right. I could go yeah. south quick. We, we need yeah. to talk to Matt more because we've been talking a lot to Adam. So um, let me ask you, what, where are your favorite places to eat? My favorite places Besides to eat. Besides Company Burger. I, you know, I eat around, I eat out a lot because just that's my business. I take clients and stuff out to dinner. And I cannot stop going back to uh, Koshon. Oh, yeah. I, I love Koshon. Uh, it's just I cook from Donald's book all the time. I mean, like, it's. I don't know. That, that food speaks to me. And, you know, my dad, like, really, I, I don't eat it a lot, but I bring people to eat it. Uh, my dad used to cook red, red fish on a half shell like that. And, I mean, wow. I've got goosebumps now. I mean, like, that's, you know, <laughs> that stuff speaks to me, and it's good. And Donald's food is fantastic. Donald Stephen, fantastic. So, mm-hmm. And we can't wait for their new restaurant to open next week with Ryan. Is that next week? That's next week. Oh, with Ryan. Pesh. Yeah. 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 Super oh, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. Will, will you, tell, will you uh, mention that? Oh, yeah. Um, and, and Ryan's restaurant, Pesh. It's all magazine, huh? Yeah, it's Julia Magazine Street. The magazine. old coffee company. It's where they embalmed Jefferson Davis. Yeah. And there was a carriage company there. Wait, wait. They embalmed Jefferson Davis in the building? I think it's Jefferson Davis. <laughs> that would be cool. I know he died in town here. Yeah. I think that's where, they, I think that's yeah. where it was, if, I don't, if I'm not mistaken. Huh. I didn't even know he was embalmed. Well, I mean... 
He's not laying in state. They vary. No, no. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure they passed. It's not like Lennon. I'm pretty sure they I mean, passed her the phase. Glass one. I'm pretty sure they passed her phase one environmental. Yeah, exactly. It's funny. Wow. Let's. Well, speaking of open new places, now you've been involved. Do you, you want to talk about this? With the uh, Parashoika at Pravda? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, we can. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Just Tell us about that. Just with a that. caveat to this whole discussion. Okay. Uh, Parashoika at Pravda is amazing, and Pravda is amazing, and all of that, but we will be uh, renovating in June and changing it over to another concept. Uh, um, we wanted to kind of keep the Pravda momentum going because it was a really well-known place, and kind of the same way in which I got my feet wet at Company Burger in this market, and professionally, Nick, the principal guy down there and the head bartender and the owner we wanted him to kind of like get comfortable being a, an, an operator and that's a going from working the line like being a bartender or being a cook or whatever and moving in transitioning into that world some people just can do it, it do it yeah. some people do it quickly some people do, it, it doesn't really you can never really know it's always best to ease into it and uh, and he's been ready for it for a long time and uh so what's your role there? You mainly need to prove to yourself. I'm technically consultant. I'm not okay. there on a daily, day to day basis. Uh, fortunately, uh, I, someone was sent to me who was uh, at Restaurant Eugene in Atlanta, which is also where I was a sous chef at, and from '06 to '07. So we have a, you know, he worked for the people I know, and he was in that system, so I'm familiar with how he works. And he's also done some time in the, some Michelin starred restaurants. Super talented kid, really young. Uh, Ian, his name's Ian. And um, and he was sent to me because he wanted to move home, be closer to family. And I was like, "You want to run your own? You want to run your own kitchen?" He's like, "Uh, yeah." I'm like, "Well, here's the menu. Let's make it better." Because I designed that initially for me to not be there, and I didn't know who was going to be working there. And so he, with working with him, kinda we kind of yeah, we fleshed mm. it out and refined it, and 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 made it made it a little bit more uh, technically driven, and uh, a little bit more, um, yeah, like I said, refined and and and. Mm. Detail, a little bit more so detail. Does it have a Russian theme or what? It's technically Judeo-Russian comfort food, is what if I had to describe nice. it. You know, like matzo ball <laughs> soup, something I grew up with. And there's nothing else. Th there, there's that, that does not exist in the world. Yeah, I call really. it Juba Q brisket because it's oh, like I'm, yeah, I know that's really inappropriate, but I can say that. Whatever. I considered myself a Juba for a little yeah, while. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's Jewish so it's food. the roasted brisket. You know, we do like a slow roasted brisket, but we make this like really tangy, like like sweet and sour sauce that's glazed. So it's kind of like. For me, it, like that, it reminds me of Passover or like Hanukkah or something with my family. Uh -huh. And then uh, there's like the matzo ball soup, and there's like these little potato palmini, which are people are just freak out about, and like shaved vegetable salad with like an all-spice kind of five-spice thing. So it, and it's coming to an end in June. It's coming to so an end. You got to hurry June. up, now. but yeah, people you got to hurry up. Got to hurry up and go eat this now because it's going to change in June. Go eat there, and then we change to um, another restaurant called Canaan Table, which is going to be more of like a proto tiki rum bar kind of thing. And, uh, and that's going to be really, really fun, too. So they're both amazing. And I think it's really neat that we get to do this for a little while and people get to experience that. And then we switch to something that's going to be as detailed and thought out. And, but, and completely and but completely different. And it's going to be very unique for New Orleans. It'll be the first one of its kind in New Orleans. No one's really done a rum bar. True. Like proto tiki. Yeah, okay, but no one bar. ever did uh, Judeo Russian either, and now that's going to close down. We're not going to have a well, Judeo Russian. I mean, it's going to come. Look, I'm I'm not I'm not done doing stuff here yet. <laughs> I'm not just going to ride off from the sunset with one bar with one burger joint. Yeah, under you, got, my you, name, you got at least you know? another ten years in. Yeah, I mean, barbecue. We need these. We need this. We need the, our city government to pass this food truck thing and stop messing around with it and and let <laughs> me and let us do some. Yeah, so I'll, you're a food I'll, truck. Yeah, I'll make a political yeah. statement on a radio show. I don't really no, no, care. Do it. Do it. It's freaking ridiculous. I'm bathrooms and all that stuff. I'm literally on the fence about the food truck. I'm. Mildly pro, but well, I'm on the fence because I run, see run, both run, sides. Run a blacklight over a Lucky Dog vendor and see what you find. I, I, this is—it's just absolutely ridiculous. To All right, me. no, no. Anyways, no. I'm not going to go on a rant. Oh, so I, I so promised so myself so I wouldn't. Well, no, do no, that. no. Hold on a second. So you're 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 decidedly 
unequivocally pro food trucks. I absolutely right? think we should Pretty have good. food trucks okay. here. It's absolutely ridiculous okay. that we couldn't, we can't agree to this because that was the because, because because the LRA wants to throw their weight around and defend right, the six right. restaurants that are complaining. Right, right, Get right. over it. Your your business is not going to suffer. Right. If anything, Ferret Street is and and the burger joints are a complete example of how yeah. it can be successful because we have this huge market. I mean, actually, the New Orleans market isn't huge, but we have all these restaurants that do relatively something similar, and everyone goes to them all the time. Right. So just relax. Like for the two only seconds. Brazilian one in the city was a food truck. I mean, and come so on, forth, man. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, everything you we just have said, seven hundred Pogoy joints here, and half of them suck, and everyone goes to them. <laughs> so, come I, on. I, everything you just said, I completely one hundred percent agree with. My, but what what tipped me back to the middle again was I had a friend who I was, say, I was doing the exact same diatribe you just did, and he said, yeah, but he parks in front of my window all day long, right? And I can't, I can't hear my TV anymore, you know? Yeah. And I was like, well, okay, that's a good point. Like, you know, maybe there needs to be, like, certain yeah, areas. We can accommodate yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The bottom line is uh, the, the, food, the people, rumble, you know, the people that operate oh, the food yeah, trucks are human it, beings, too, and right. all you got to do is go out and talk to them, yeah, yeah. and I'm pretty sure they'll accommodate you. Right, right. You know, they're businessmen, too. They're they're. Right, tell them what neighbor you don't like and how move over in front I mean, of his window. I it, yeah. mean, it's, it's, you know, there used to be a time, a time in this country where we could – talk to our neighbors and talk to our people and not go on a public forum and complain about it. Right, 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 you know, right. like I, I can't believe that people complain about our, you know, if they have an issue or something with our food, they, they don't come to me. I'm right there. I've put myself put on in Yelp. the position <laughs> to have you complain to me about it. I mean, granted, I'm a touch more physically intimidating than most other people, but I'm actually smiling. Stuff, yeah. Well, no, I don't even have a knife anymore. They took that away from me. But <laughs> Nobody yeah, already has a knife yeah. with you, bro. No one needs to expo burgers with a knife. You know, that's, that's crazy. But, you know, like we're, just I'm here. I'm here. I'm like the right. thing that blows my mind is that we are here to make you happy. Like right. that's all restaurant people want to do is make their best? guests happy. Yeah, right. so like come if you have a problem, tell me. I will take care of it. We are more than welcome. This is the hospitality industry. This isn't the fu. I do what I want <laughs> hospitality because then you'd be broke. You know, like we want to make sure that your experience in our house is is the best it can possibly be. If the fries aren't hot, if they're too salty, if the burgers, if it ain't, even if it's not what you was told it was going to be and you're mad that you spent 15 bucks, tell Bring me. Yeah. Engage me. Right. I built that's my, I structured my entire, open, right? I right. mean, that's your, I built my entire restaurant around that core philosophy. Yeah. You know, and just, we used to do that Except a lot. for lettuce and tomato. Obviously. Just don't mess, <laughs> the don't, lettuce don't and tomato, that's, that's right out. Right out. Okay, what about, I know, I understand the lettuce and tomato, but somebody um, asked me to ask you tonight. Yep. Um, <laughs> oh, I know, it's always, it's always a proxy. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I have I no don't want to do it. See, there we go. It's like, yeah. I don't want to no, go Believe me, me I have it's no problem me. being direct. <laughs> no, no, no. I am the type of, of person yeah. that well, I will go up to the you've also got me sitting down and you've got me hooked, so I can't get all mad about it. I'm just kidding. I don't get mad. No, I think there's. Well, I bet you get mad. I get, I get enthusiastic. There's a difference. Is that what exactly. you ask about? What? No. no, go ahead. I'll ask him about that. Um, no, I completely respect that. And I feel that people can ask things in a nice way, too. Absolutely. If they're like, if I'm like a raving lunatic and asking you a question, that's different. But, I think it'd be but, hilarious if you were raving. I, I don't okay. get offended by much. Like, okay. Well, this we question is just, it's just a, uh, why no dill pickles? Ah, that's actually an excellent question. Um, I hate dill pickles. Okay. <laughs> is that a good enough answer? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's, no, that's no um, yes, mainly 99% per preference. Okay. Um, so I personally don't like dill pickles. Um, I like like a half sour or like a pickled tomato. Uh, I don't personally um, like dill. And then it comes down to like 
and to get really nerdy for just I see him he's twitching over there so yeah, um, to get super geeky about it for 10 seconds um, I feel that the bread and butter pickle uh, picks up a lot of the same pra- flavor profile and complements ketchup because of the huh. allspice if you know what's in ketchup it's allspice clove um, tomato paste like red wine vinegar or cider vinegar depending on what recipe you want to follow and and uh, bread and butter pickles have my bread and butter pickles have uh, turmeric and celery seed and mustard seed and all of those things complement one another on a chemical level and a flavor profile level. So I feel that the bread and butter pickle complements the sweet and sourness of the ketchup. So I literally broke it down to that kind of thing. I love that. And you know I'm what's so funny glad. is like you could be making all that up and we wouldn't know. But the also, bread and butter pickles were sentimental for me because I no, bread and butter pickles on my turkey sandwiches when I was a kid. I so. started to tear up when you said that. Yeah. And we uh, look. I, I answer that question a lot. I answer questions about his food all the time because I know we're friends, and it's like, dude, why, why <laughs> not? My friends even get banged up about <laughs> my like, decisions. <laughs> you know? and, and people, people really think that's like, uh, I, I think dill. L- let's go with. We'll build a restaurant around a dill pickle. Yeah. You know, and it's like it's not how it works. No, he has. And you know what? It's a religion. It really is. People people will make a decision about. That's it. Ah, we're running out. Anyways, he, I don't know. He's telling us keep going. He's, he keeps waving. Well, we're done. You know, we're to, I'll say to anyone that has any preconceived notions about how we do things here, and you you decide that you don't want to come before you taste it, yeah. come and taste it, and just trust. Just trust me. I'll buy you. I'm not. You I, and if you don't like it, we'll take care of you. Okay. Just just trust me. I got for, one, for I got 10 one more minutes. question for you, real fast. For, Thirty-five second uh, version of the answer. <laughs> All right. All right, what do we do about the one block on Threat Street that's not getting developed? What can happen with that? How can we persuade the owner to do something with that property? Unfortunately, uh, there's nothing to be done. Un- right? Unfortunately, you, country. you can't do anything about it. It's just it's it's it just irks it's me so bad. Trust me, yeah. we need the retail man. I, I look know. at it every day. Of my, every day of my life, you know, like killing you're it. dealing with people. I'm not going to mention names or any of that, but you're dealing with people that are very entrenched in in their thing, and they want what they want. And this is, a, and I'll defend their right to the death to be able to do what they want with their property, but it sucks. And it's it's uh, counterproductive, and it's just and it's blighted. It is blighted. I don't care what anyone in the government says it is. It's, it's a blighted building. It's it needs a blighted to be building. Down. It's getting worse all the time. And it, and but you know the crazy thing is it was this close to being sold. I heard that. But the uh, demolition committee, the, the enlightened oh, city gee. council demolition. Con- uh, that's why it's installed. Turned down, turned down the demolition permits on the two houses behind it, so the whole deal fell through. Oh, I did hear about that. Now one yeah. of them was going to be a Chinese restaurant. Or something well, like that. unfortunately, it was it. someone who wanted to put like. I don't know. I don't know. But it was his right to do that, anyways. Any, yeah. At this point, there's a lot that would be better. But yeah. you know, I'm on the business association. Anything besides we hope we hope for the best. We hope that time will 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 kind of take care of itself yeah. and things will happen. Um, but you know, I wish it would turn over because uh, I want something cool in there. Yeah, you need you need more you need more shopping too. Yep. It's all food. Yep. You know, that's great. Well, thanks so much for coming. My guys. pleasure. Thanks for having me. Our special have been guest. Wonderful. Yeah, you've been fantastic. Thank you. So, uh, once again, our special guest has been Adam Biederman of Company Burger. And tell us the hours that you're open. Uh, Monday, th- we're closed Tuesday. We're cl- please listen. <laughs> we are Tuesday. we are closed no Tuesday. every Tuesday. I've shown up a Tuesday like I five know, times. I know, yeah. dude. <laughs> I, I went to get to I went I to get the mail, and someone coming out of the gym next door was like, "Why are you closed on Tuesday?" I'm like, "Why are you working out?" And want a cheeseburger. I don't, I don't know if you want a diet or something. Like, leave me alone. Um, no, closed every Tuesday. Uh, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 11 to 3, 5 to 10. We take two-hour break to clean, okay. get ready for night. Now, Saturdays and Sundays, we are now open all day, 11 to 10. That's good Sweet. to know. It's awesome. All it's right. It's absolutely awesome. I don't have to say no to anyone. All right. And you got a Facebook page. Facebook. page. Uh, Twitter, at like Company Burger. Mm. Instagram is Company Burger. Uh, we have a new website that just got redesigned. It looks gorgeous, and it will be going live next week. Nice. All right. And it'll have a completely printable and interactive, not inter- yeah, slightly interactive, 
and you'll be able to print our menu directly from the web page. All right. And it's 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 optimized for mobile, so we're ahead of the game. Cool. Still no less tomato. No lettuce and tomato. <laughs> tomatoes <laughs> tomatoes will be in season. You can be guaranteed anybody that's offended by the presence yeah. of lettuce and tomato cool. will not be offended cool. at your place. If you don't, if you yeah. have to have it, just come in and try it, and I, I think you're still going to leave happy because we make yeah. a great product. Um, you know, the uh, tomatoes will be in season uh, in the summer creoles, and after mm -hmm. my birthday, middle of June, we'll start putting them on the burgers. All right. So, and I can't wait for that. And by cool. the way, the the people that had the pickle question, yeah, that that was the same family where the little six year old boy wanted to come up and meet you. They love your oh, place. It wasn't nice, a like nice. the kid yeah, was no. awesome. wasn't a, like an angry, you <laughs> no. know, like why it, don't you have it? It yeah. was just like a yeah. curious. No, it's absolutely. Um, and I'm I'm I, obviously I'm I'm here to answer and engage any any question at all, and right. I will do it. I love talking about it because there's nothing like talking about food. Well, we landed, now we've taken off again. All right, let's try to land again. And our, our plus one uh, guest has been Matt Colosino. Did I say right? Yeah. And do you have anything to plug? No, man. Okay. Just you. I'm here. Just your awesomeness. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, I don't think anyone out there wants to buy what he's selling. <laughs> yeah, it's it's much too big for their house. Our show is recorded live at Ted's Frost Stop on Claiborne Avenue in Calhoun in Uptown New Orleans. Ted's open seven days a week serving first-class burgers, beer, and their awesome homemade root beer in a frosty mug. Midnight Menu Plus One is produced by Grant Morris. Brian Ruiz has been our technical director. And you can get in touch with us here at Midnight Menu Plus One by going to our website, itsneworleans.com. From there, you can follow us on Twitter, find us on Facebook, sign up for our mailing list. And while you're at itsneworleans.com, you can listen to other episodes of Midnight Menu Plus One, as well as other shows, Happy Hour, Mindset, True the Game, Win Win, and Out to Lunch. If you're listening to the show on iTunes, thanks for subscribing. Maybe you could take a minute to rate us and review us. That helps uh, that helps other people find us. Midnight Menu Plus One is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. So we meet again here at Ted's Frost Top. I'm Ray Kanata. And I'm Marga Moss. Good night. You know Labor Day signals the unofficial end of summer, but not the end of your outdoor projects. Lowe's helps you do it right and helps you save with Labor Day deals throughout the store. Shop now and get two bags of Stay Green Potty Mix for $12. And keep your lawn looking neat and trim with a Craftsman 2-Cycle 17-inch gas string trimmer now $20 off at just $119. Whatever's still on your to-do list this Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 828. Soil offer excludes Alaska and Hawaii, U.S. only.